I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So, it is the month of August 2022, and it is once again that very special time of the month wherein we do our very special Catching Up on Blu-ray episode. Uh, essentially, what this is going to entail is, if you're not familiar with the show format, uh, I'm going to be taking a look at uh, the physical media release titles uh, for the month of August 2022. So that would be DVDs, Blu-rays, and 4K discs. Um, you may have noticed uh, this is going to be a solo affair once again. Uh, Brad from the Cinema Speak podcast, uh, he's got some real-life shit going on. Everybody's got some real-life shit going on. Uh, so it's just going to be you and me this time around. Um, and hopefully this will be a breezy episode because I'd I've I've got some real life shit going on as well, so I'm I'm hoping to run through this one pretty quick if if I can. Um, but yeah, uh, basically we're going to be running through the release calendar, and uh, if you would like to follow along uh, with the home version of catching up on Blu-ray, you can do so uh, by navigating to the very lovely website of Blu-ray.com and uh, navigate to uh, Blu-ray.com/movies/release-dates. And that will take you to the uh, current release uh, month. Uh, so, of course, we're speaking about August 2022. And uh, once again, if you're not familiar with how these physical media releases occur, um, generally they fall on Tuesdays of each calendar week. Uh, so I'll be sure to call out the dates as I go along. Uh, but essentially what I'm going to do here is just uh, give you a little insight, I guess, into um, my shopping list. Uh, me crafting a shopping list on on the fly, uh, basically. Uh, so any titles that jump out at me for whatever reason, I'll be sure to call out. If I skip over something you're looking forward to, uh, be sure to you know send me some hate mail hate mail uh, via the Twitter, or the Instagram, or whatever the fuck. I don't care. It'd be just nice to hear from you. Um, anyway, uh, our first uh, proper release date in, the, in uh, August 2022 happens to fall on August 2nd and uh, as is the norm with how blu-ray.com tends to organize their release calendar uh, 4k titles generally are put front and center from week to week uh, so our first 4k discs are uh, Tenebrae, Dario Argento's uh, Tenebrae which is a giallo film uh, from Synapse Films uh, that's who's putting out this particular disc um, I do not believe this is uh, debuting on the format. I believe Synapse put out uh, a, an earlier uh, release of this disc. Um, so this this film isn't debuting. Um, but in addition to that, uh, we also have uh, Joel Schumacher's Flatliners uh, from 1990. Um, and this is from Arrow, uh, or, who are a UK publisher of discs, um, but this is uh, an American domestic disc, so this will be a Region A that we can all enjoy out, out here. Um, that's a, a special limited edition 4K, so that's likely to come in a, a big fancy box. Uh, Arrow does a lovely job with their, uh, their packaging in particular, uh, and their discs as well, uh, from what I know. I only have a couple of them myself, but um, Flatliners is a, is a fun one. Um, I remember it being a, a little wonky, like it's not especially cohesive all the way through, uh, but it does have some high points. Uh, it has a very, very handsome cast, especially by 1990 standards. Like, like they had some pretty sexy people in that movie. So if you just want to look at some sexy-ass people, 
uh, in a Joel Schumacher, like heavily stylized uh, Joel Schumacher film, uh, Flatliners will deliver. Um, it's a fun one. I, I don't remember having any particular attachment to it, but uh, I did enjoy it when I saw it a long time ago. Um, haven't seen it again since, although I do remember, I can't remember what year, but I do remember that it was one of those weird movies that did get like a 2010s era remake uh, that nobody talks about. Um, and that and that actually does pique my curiosity a little bit. I, I, I haven't heard anything good about that remake, but just the fact that they made it is kind of like a head scratcher to me. Very similar um, to like a Point Break. Where it's just like, why are we remaking this? Like, you, you can't possibly think that this is going to be better or better remembered than that. Uh, yeah, it, it's Hollywood works in mysterious ways sometimes. But um, anyway, moving on, uh, we have a trio of a Kino Lorber Blu-ray discs uh, featuring uh, the man, the myth, the legend, uh, Chuck Norris. Uh, so that would be Good Guys Wear Black, A Force of One, and The Octagon uh, from 1978, uh, 1979, and 1980, respectively. Um, I've never really been a, a Chuck Norris guy. Um, I mean, he's he can be like he can be entertaining at times. Usually, it's in like a very ironic sense. Uh, that's usually how I derive my entertainment from viewings of uh, Chuck Norris films. Um, but I've never really bit too hard for him. Like even his ironic entertainment films, um, just never really resonated with me very much. Um, and I can't actually speak to the reputation of these three films in particular. Um, good guys wear black. I seem to remember is like, I mean, it's an earlier one, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if it's one of the better ones that tends to be the case with, with a lot of like martial artists turned actors, especially in the you know the 70s and 80s era like a lot of times they throw like producers throw everything they got at them like what right out the gate and then enthusiasm starts to wane as as their career trudges along like i'm looking at you steven seagal essentially like he's he's the prototypical example that i carry in my head for this kind of career trajectory although norris is an exception in that he kind of found he f actually kind of found his footing more solidly by the time he got to like Walker, Texas Ranger and had like a, a solid consistent gig. Um, because as far as I know, his, his, he was kind of just the Canon guy for a really, really long time. I don't know that he ever was actually competition for the, the Schwarzeneggers and the Van Dams of, of the action world. Um, but the only one of these movies that I have seen and actually do own, albeit on DVD, is uh, The Octagon. Um, and a big reason for why I bought that was um, it actually was heavily memed at one point. Uh, maybe even like the pre-YouTube days, I want to say. Uh, because it, there's a, a running element um, in, the, in the narrative of that film where Chuck Norris will just... He'll, he'll break out into these uh, narrative like like narration whispers where like you'll you'll peer into his thought process as he's you know acting his or attempting to act his way like physically through a scene and there's that sequence where he like comes into someone's home and it appears to have bro been broken into and you just hear like oppressively loud on the soundtrack for the film 
Chuck Norris's voice doing an ASMR whisper into your ear saying, Ninja, it has to be. (laughs) But nobody knows about them. Nobody but me. It's it's an incredible moment in in cinema. Like whoever thought to do that, uh, whoever thought that would be a boon to the production, um, thank you. Uh, that was that was lovely. Uh, that movie's mostly crap. Um, although uh, I did actually learn through um, Scott Adkins' uh, the Art of Action uh, podcast. I think um, yeah, I could be talking directly out my ass, but the point is, he he uh, Scott Adkins that is did a interview with. Uh, Australian uh, martial artist slash actor um, Richard Norton and I think it was through that conversation that I learned that Richard Norton uh, plays he plays like the 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 final boss of the octagon like he's he's wearing a gaudy red ninja costume Um, but I think it was through that conversation that I learned that that was actually him like under the costume kind of similar to like Hey, did you know that Kevin Nash was the Super Shredder? It's like one of those things where it's like, oh shit, I actually know that guy. I actually like that guy. Um, yeah, other than that, the movie's mostly kind of garbage. I, I bought it at a, our local uh, Scarecrow Video um, Museum, like film collection slash rental place. I bought it from like the literal like one dollar bar- bargain bin that they had posted near the door, uh, just on a whim. Um, Anyway, moving on, um, we have uh, our first uh, anime release uh, for the month of August. And uh, one thing I will note about uh, anime titles um, when it comes to catching up on Blu-ray, there are far too many uh, anime titles released from month to month, uh, such that myself, someone who has not really paid a whole lot of attention to the medium in, you know, a couple of decades at this point... um, I, I simply can't be bothered to know which of these titles are important and which are not. Uh, so the the scant few that I actually go into detail talking about um, will likely be retro titles that I actually am somewhat familiar with. And uh, Nadia, The Secret of the Blue Water is actually one of those. Um, if memory serves, I think this was uh, Hideaki Anno's. Uh, it was like one of his earliest projects or like earliest projects that he kind of like served as like the chief creative voice behind i mean he'd been working in the animation industry for a while at that point but um mostly significant because of his involvement i actually don't know of the overall quality of the show um but it needs to be said uh ano is he he has attained a rare position of power um in in japanese pop culture like he's been given the keys to every castle imaginable um, I mean, Evangelion is a juggernaut unto itself, but beyond that, Shin Gojira won, like, the equivalent of the Japanese best picture. It's also, you know, one of the longest and most single most beloved of Japanese film franchises uh, from around the world. Um, Shin Ultraman is apparently very, very good. I know he did not direct that. However, uh, his uh, he did have creative control over that pro- over that project. And uh, Shin Kamen Rider, I don't actually know if that one's come out just yet, um, but he's also lording over that one as well. So, uh, I mean, I'm, I don't imagine they'll give him, like, Gundam or something, but at this point, it's like, dude, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> like, they gave him every, they gave him literally every other key on the chain. Why not, why not just give him literally everything we got? Like, every other multi-decade spanning 
like franchise we've got. Um, but yeah, uh, Nadia, the secret of the blue water is something that I would, I wouldn't mind checking out, uh, like as a curiosity, but I actually have no idea if it's, if it's actually good or not. Um, moving on though, we have uh, high desert kill from 1989. This is a scorpion releasing disc. I recently purchased my first scorpion releasing disc uh, just a couple months ago. It was the killer elite directed by Sam Peckinpah. Uh, the quality of the disc was great. Uh, the movie itself, not so much. Um, so scorpion releasing seems to be, they seem to have their head on straight when it comes to the technicals, but uh, I don't know about their, uh, I don't know about the movies that they select. I don't know about the quality of their releases. Um, but High Desert Kill is not a film that's known to me in any way. Uh, the cover just jumped out at me. Uh, we have another Kino title, Catch the Heat, uh, from 1987. Um, oh, interesting. I'm looking at the, the names listed on the cover, and I thought I recognized somebody on it, but no, I actually don't recognize any of the players in there. I thought that was like a a prematurely flabby Tom Berenger or something. It's a it's a hand painted uh, cover. It's actually quite lovely. I like the I like the composition. I like the cover. It looks like a uh, like a trashy dime store novel or something like like a, an erotic thriller or like a, a sleazy hard boiled detective novel or something. Uh, Catch the Heat is not a movie that's known to me, but nice cover. Give them that much. Uh, we have our uh, requisite monthly uh, Bruce Willis uh, Blu-ray. Uh, White Elephant, which also appears to have uh, Olga Kurilenko. I recognize her. Um, that looks like Michael Rooker uh, sans hair, but plus a no, it's not a soul patch. He actually has a beard. Good for him. Um, and John Malkovich. Uh, so I guess he and Bruce Willis have uh, a red connection, uh, if if you remember those films. Um, yeah, it's 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 been disclosed like as of several months ago, Bruce Willis has some health problems. That's the reason why he's popping up in a lot of these, uh, direct to video releases of questionable quality. I'm not going to kick the man while he's down. I, I hope I, I wish the best for he and his, you know? Uh, but yeah, this movie looks terrible. Um, we have an Edwin McGregor, uh, headlined film last days in the desert from 2015. Um, Speaking of uh, my boy Brad at the Cinema Speak podcast, uh, we have uh, an anime title, One Piece colon Collection Fucking 30. Uh, so if you're not aware, dear listeners, um, One Piece is a Japanese animation uh, series that I believe it persists to this day, but I'm, if memory serves the episode count, I can't speak for the manga, which I, I would imagine is even longer, but the uh, the anime that that the tv series spans like probably a half dozen movies minimum and i think they're maybe in the thousands in terms of episode count so this is the 30th box set which can contains episodes from the year 2015 to 2016 um i don't want to know what the fuck this this complete series looks like on a shelf but it i it's a i used the word juggernaut earlier one piece is is a juggernaut times 20 um, but yeah, the reason I, I uh, called out uh, the Cinema Speak podcast just now is um, Brad has an occasional co-host over there by the name of Santino, um, who has apparently um, taken upon himself to consume the entirety of the One Piece animation series, which includes the movies. Um, 
he's a madman. Yeah, he's out of control. Uh, he needs to be stopped. Um, he's going to hurt himself and others uh, should he continue to pursue that project. Um, but very similar to my feelings towards Bruce Willis, uh, I wish him the best. I wish he and his the best uh, in their endeavors. Um, we also have Cow uh, from 2021. Who is putting this one out? Uh, this is an IFC Films disc, uh, and this is directed by Andrea Arnold. Um, it has a certified fresh stamp on the cover, and from what I've heard, uh, I, I believe that is accurate. Uh, I've heard very, very good things about this film, Cow. Um, I have not seen it. I doubt I will see it, but as I said, if you're at all interested, I've heard good things. Uh, so let's bop on down to the next calendar week here. Uh, so we have August 9th, 2022. And as I said, the way Blu-ray.com tends to organize their releases, we'll do our 4Ks up front uh, and then get rolling with the Blu-rays. Uh, so our 4K release, our first 4K release, uh, both in steelbook form and uh, standard slipcase, uh, is Michael Mann's Heat from the year 1995. This is a Disney Buena Vista uh, disc. Uh, looks like it got a 4.5 out of 5 in terms of visual fidelity. Uh, always like to see that. That's pretty handsome. Uh, I really, really like Heat. Uh, it's funny because um, my regular co-host at Catching Up on Cinema, Kyle, um, he I, he doesn't care much for Heat. Uh, he doesn't get much out of it. And in, and in fact, in, in recent years especially, there seems to be... Uh, th that sentiment seems to be growing. Like, this movie just doesn't work for everybody. Um, it worked for me uh, back in the 90s, and it continues to work for me today. And it's not just because it has one of the single most awesome shootouts in, in cinema history. Um, it's just I, I am, I'm a sucker for Michael Mann's vibe in general um, and, and crime thrillers as well. This... This particular type of movie is endlessly appealing to me. Uh, it's what led me to pursue a lot of Hong Kong and a lot of Korean cinema uh, from from like the from like the eighties through the twenty tens. Like they, we don't get as many of them these days, but the, these kind of tooth and nail, just like man versus man stories, are very very appealing to me. I, I like dual narrative stories where you have these these two characters who you grow to appreciate not necessarily like especially in the case of Al Pacino's character in this film but two characters that you get to observe and come to understand very very deeply and then you proceed through the narrative with the understanding that there it's it's inevitable that these two parties are going to clash and you're going to be conflicted about the outcome um a Korean movie, um, I believe directed by Ryu Sung-won, that uh, Kyle and I actually reviewed for the, the Catching Up on Cinema podcast, um, Crying Fist, uh, took this to another level where it's about uh, two men who both take up boxing, and by the time you get to the end of the film, they are fighting each other, and I, I describe it as being akin to watching your kids fight. It, it's a, It's... You feel good, but at the same time, you feel bad. It, it brings a lot of mixed emotions, and it leads to great drama. Um, Heat has a little bit of that aspect to it, where you do get a lot of screen time for both of your chief protagonists, who are both on opposite sides of the law. Um, and as a result, it, it it's uniquely appealing to me, I guess. But I, I have noticed, actually, that 
some people are unexpectedly sour about this movie at least at least from my perspective it like i i always just kind of wrote this one off as like oh yeah everybody loves heat but no apparently not um very cool seeing it on 4k i already have the uh the i think it's called like the director's definitive edition blu-ray which is a strange way of of presenting that particular title because it is not a director's cut like it is exactly the same film as was you know initially presented in 1995 i think it just had to do with like maybe sound mixing or color grading or something i forget actually what the specifics of that disc were but um i don't think i'll be upgrading to the 4k um but just seeing it on the calendar makes me want to makes me want to watch it and maybe see if i can uh, convince the girlfriend to check it out with me although i i need to I need to work on racking up some more brownie points with her because I recently uh, subjected her to uh, Matt Reeves's The Batman, um, which is a movie that I quite like um, and I find myself thinking about a lot, especially recently. Um, And very similar to my regular co-host, Kyle, uh, she didn't get a whole lot of it. She didn't enjoy it. Um, She said, very similar to Kyle, actually, cool ideas, poor execution. And I can respect that, um, but that was a movie that she walked away from being mostly bored by. So I, I, I think I need to earn some goodwill with her uh, before I throw her, throw a heat at her, throw her the high heat, as it were. Um, what do we got next to that one? Uh, we have a 4K release of Paul W. S. Anderson's Event Horizon. This is also the 25th anniversary edition, um, and apparently it's also a steelbook. Uh, four out of five in terms of image quality. Um, I already own the uh, Shout Factory uh, disc uh, for this one, uh, the Blu-ray. This is a Paramount Pictures uh, disc, uh, from what I can tell. Um, Paul W. S. Anderson pops up as a as a point of discussion quite often on Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, I quite like this movie. Kyle does as well. Um, I think this is one of Paul W. S. Anderson's best movies. Um, It's still not a perfect movie by any means, um, but it showcases a lot of his best talents as a filmmaker while shying away from like some of his biggest weaknesses, I guess. Um, The production design, the lighting, um, the the energetic editing style, that's all there, uh, along with some familiar faces from from his uh, his gallery of rogues, I guess, like uh, Jason Isaacs pops up in the movie and the two of them are at least affiliated with each other. I don't know if they're buddy buddy or anything, but I I do remember he was also in soldier. Um, Yeah. I I quite like event horizon. I, I would like to see the alternative cut of it be released someday. I don't, I seriously doubt, especially now that we're 25 years deep into this fucker. I don't think we'll ever see that cut. um, It like officially released, but apparently a lot of the uh, like more grisly images that are shown in like a, a strobing like MTV style editing uh, aesthetic um, from time to time in the film. Apparently, there there is like a a version of the film uh, that showcases that more cleanly. I guess. Um, like I said, we're probably never going to get that. It's fine. The movie as it stands is. It's quite good. Um, I don't think it's great or anything, but it's 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 a good time, uh, and it would be nice to see more movies like that get made these days. Um, 
moving on though uh we have uh presumably a big release uh being as i believe both these movies made a fuck ton of movie especially at the box office can't speak for blu-ray sales or whatever but uh sonic the hedgehog 2 uh on 4k uh there's also a steelbook edition i I believe that's a best buy exclusive uh it's also out on blu-ray uh, I have not seen either of these movies. Uh, our household uh, was a Nintendo household uh, in the 90s, so we didn't get any Sanic. Um, I had exactly one friend uh, back in grade school who had a Genesis, not a Mega Drive. I am American. Um, and I, you know, played a couple of Sanic movies, or games rather. Um, but yeah, Sanic's never really been my guy. Like, like I did watch the, the cartoon, both versions of it, the, the Sonic Sad AM, I think they called it, and... Uh, whatever the fuck the other one was. They both had chili dogs, I think. But I, I did watch those cartoons. I think we had one or two of the Archie comics way back in the 90s. Um, but Sanic, the internet loves Sanic. Like, like there is a, a huge, well, not a huge chunk, but like a, there is a intensely devoted sliver of the internet that just absolutely adores Sanic and will consume any and all Sanic products. Um, I will never understand that, um, but you know it makes those people happy. So they'll, you know, to each their own. But um, I do like what they did with the cover art here. The uh, the Best Buy exclusive has uh, kind of the the checkerboard pattern, and uh, basically they're replicating the original uh, Genesis or Mega Drive cover art uh, for for Sonic the Hedgehog two video game. Um, I I think that's kind of a neat idea from a marketing standpoint. Uh, I certainly do prefer it to the uh, like the standard box art. Um, but yeah, I, I actually don't know um, which of these movies is considered to be the better of the two, although um, I wouldn't be surprised if the second one is better, being as the first one was released amid so much chaos um, in the form of uh, the computer effects team having to go back and, and remake the fucking central character of the film. Um, I'm sure that the... the second film was produced under you know more seamless terms um but i also wouldn't be surprised just you know being as the second game is often thought of as as the better of the two um that's always interesting about video games especially back in the day where um movie sequels are often thought of as you know being dubious proposals but uh in the video game world oftentimes they're thought of they're met with open arms because technical innovation more more often than not leads to just an overall increase in quality um and that was certainly the case with sonic hedgehog 2 the video game but uh moving on to something completely different uh we have david cronenberg's crimes of the future i actually just watched this last night and uh i'm not gonna say much other than i don't know how i feel about this movie just yet i may have to watch it again I may have to think about it for a few days, but um, right now I'm just kind of left scratching my temple and and pondering as to as to how I feel about this particular film. But um, Brad from the Cinema Speak podcast, uh, he is actually using this film as the foundation foundational review uh, for his 300th episode of the Cinema Speak podcast. So um, maybe I'll be able to put it put my feelings together um, after I've listened to he and his friends uh, talk about how they felt about it. Um, but yeah, David Cronenberg, uh, just the name alone is a selling point for me. Uh, I blind, I completely blind purchased this film. 
um, just a few days before actually watching it. Um, I didn't even read the plot summary. I was just like, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's Cronenberg. Sure, I'll take a chance. Um, again, not sure how I feel about it. Um, beside that, we have the Blu-ray release of Men uh, from Lionsgate. And uh, this is uh, Alex Garland's latest film. And uh, this features uh, Jesse Buckley and Rory Kinnear, uh, as far as I know, in many, t- in many, many roles. Uh, this movie is covered in Kinnear. Um, all I know about this film was told to me by listening to uh, my buddy Brad at the Cinema Speak podcast. Um, I know uh, Kyle, my regular co-host, is. Uh, this is on his hit list. Uh, this is very high on his to-do list for uh, watching. Um, so I'll have to wait to see what he tells me about it. Um, I'm not in a hurry to check it out, um, but a lot of people in my orbit were very excited about this this movie. So now that it's out on Blu-ray, I'm sure Kyle will be chomping at the bit to get to it. Um, beside that, we have uh, kind of an unexpected release. Not sure what sort of... Uh, brand synergy might be at work um but maybe it has something to do with uh, the black adam movie like uh, trucking along but uh we have doom on 4k unrated extended edition uh from universal studios this is of course the carl urban headlined but um from a marketing standpoint dwayne dwayne the rock johnson is plastered big as life and twice as ugly front and center on the cover uh rosamund pike is also in here by the way as is, uh, was it Richard Brake, I think? Uh, the guy that's in all those uh, Rob Zombie movies. Uh, Joe Chill from Batman Begins. Um, I saw this fucking movie in the theater because I was a Doom kid. Like, uh, my brother and I, we, we played a lot of uh, Doom 2. Uh, not necessarily the first game, but the second one. I remember in, like, 1995. That's that's what I was doing on the family computer. Um, yeah, I, I want to see this movie with... Uh, I believe my high school friends and uh it's actually one of it's one of the more okay video game adaptations that exists like if i'm being completely honest um i i could be talking directly out my ass in fact i, I know for a fact i am um but i want to say uh Corey Yuen, uh may have been brought in for like the a couple of the martial arts sequences the, the doom movie has martial arts sequences just so you know uh, you know, the Matrix trilogy had only just recently wrapped. We, you know, wire foo was very much a thing, and you know, bringing in Hong Kong choreographers to your productions was considered very much a, bo- a boon at the time. It was the style at the time, if you will. Um, yeah, it, I think it was Corey Yuen uh, who worked on this movie, but um, yeah, decent little uh, dust up uh, for the big finale. Um, I'm not going to spoil uh, exactly what that entails if you haven't seen it, but. Um, the big marketing ploy for this movie was um, it you know it's based on one of the one of the early mainstream first person shooters. Um, so they do in fact have a first person action sequence, a protracted first person action sequence that's um, it's all achieved in post production um, through a variety of methods. Um, it looks wonky, like even at the time it looked and felt wonky. Um, but I always love when, you know, the, the ambition is on the screen. Um, I've never actually seen the extended cut of, of Doom. Um, but I actually wouldn't mind checking this out. Like if it gets to, if it gets to the right price, I might actually pick this up. I'm kind of shocked. Like I've 
I, I don't know what that says about me, but like of all the wonderful movies that I've talked about, it's like, yeah, I don't think I need Michael Mann's heat on 4K, but oh, Doom, directed by, um, what, oh God, uh, Aunt Andrew Bartkowiak, who I know that name, is he the, is he the Kung Fu Hip Hop Connection guy? Oh shit, he is the Kung Fu Hip Hop Connection guy, um, I don't know if anybody else has ever used that that particular phrase, but that's I'm coining that. Um, the Kung Fu Hip Hop Connection is um, this small window uh, of opportunity, like this this small sliver of time in Hollywood where uh, there were a lot of uh, hip hop personalities that were being paired up with Chinese martial arts personalities, or at least martial arts personalities uh, because Steven Seagal is most certainly not Chinese um, and he this this fella and I think it's pronounced Andrew Barkowiak uh, he directed virtually all of them he was he was the go-to guy for that particular very 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 short-lived subgenre that uh, all of those movies are you know middling to to outright bad but each and every one of them puts a smile on my face for a variety of reasons. I would love to do an entire month dedicated to the Kung Fu Hip Hop Connection. Um, that's a someday project for sure that I'm sure Kyle will absolutely want to have nothing to do with. <laughs> um, so uh, write me if you're interested in talking about the Kung Fu Hip Hop Connection. Um, bopping on down though, we have The Green Planet on 4K. Uh, this is a BBC uh, docu-series, as far as I know. Probably uh, stunning uh, to look at. It's narrated by David Attenborough, of course, because David Attenborough is the man that you get for those projects. Uh, we have a Paramount Presents title of Back to the Beach, 1987. The Flying Guillotine 2 from 1978. Uh, this is an 88 films uh, disc. Um, I believe they're a UK uh, disc distributor. Um, such that I find a lot of their releases to be very, very, very frustrating because uh, they put out a lot of shit that I would love to have in my collection. Unfortunately, it is not Region A. Um, although I have noticed they are starting to move into the into the Region A realm, um, so hopefully I won't have to be too sour for too much longer. Um, Moving on, we have uh, Harry Potter twentieth anniversary. I think is I think that's that like I think that's that like HBO special or whatever where they get the cast and crew back together to just like reminisce about the old times, kind of like they did the uh, the Friends reunion or whatever. I have zero connection to the Harry Potter franchise, so this this would do like less than nothing for me personally. Um, but I do know uh, I do know a lot of people in my orbit who this was probably a huge fucking deal for them. Uh, so that's this is bound to make somebody happy. Not me though. Um, we have L.A. Age Jabber from 1994. Uh, this is a very sleazy movie that I think everything I know about it was uh, again imparted to me by listening to my buddy Brad at Cinema Speak. Um, I will point out though, uh, Visual Vengeance is putting out this disc. Uh, they definitely spared no expense when it comes to the packaging and the cover art. Um, they're actually a disc publisher that is not known to me. However, as evidenced by like glancing at some of the titles uh, coming out this month, it seems like they're they're hitting the ground running. If in fact they're a new 
publisher. I actually don't know, but it's the first time they've popped up on my radar uh, that I'm aware of. Uh, we have Domestic Disturbance from 2001. Uh, this is a Paramount disc. Uh, I saw this movie. I've seen this movie a couple times. It's not very good, um, but you do get the the spectacle, uh, the rare spectacle of uh, John Travolta throwing hands with Vince Vaughn. Um, as a very, very unrealistic matchup. I'm sorry, Vince Vaughn has so much size and reach over that guy, it's not even fucking funny. Um, but that little punch-up at the end of the movie is, is quite laughable. There's, there's a couple of decent moments of drama in there. I did like when uh, Vince Vaughn gets like snippy with the kid like early on. Like That felt, that felt uncomfortable in that... Um, I, I, f- I think it was Tony Scott directed, but uh, the, the fan with uh, Robert De Niro and Wesley Snipes... Um, if you can't, if you cannot stomach, uh, children being like verbally abused or treated poorly in film, um, do not watch the fan, um, domestic disturbance, you could probably get through. Um, although there is that one sequence where Vince Vaughn gets snippy with the kid. I think they're playing catch or something in the backyard. It was like, Ooh, wow. Uh, that's uncomfortable. Uh, don't would, I would definitely leave that house party if I was there. Um, we have a uh, horribly photoshopped cover for G- Gerard Butler in a uh, last scene alive. Um, good God, that a uh, that is not a good cover. Um, the the smudging effect uh, on his face is is ghastly uh, to say the least. Um, I don't know anything about this movie, um, but it's apparently directed by Brian Goodman. It's a contemporary release. Um, and also features Jamie Alexander and uh, Russell Hornsby and Ethan Embry. So, you know, people we know, like, I don't know how many people are excited about any of those people, but people we know, I have no fucking clue what that movie is, but terrible cover. Absolutely hideous. Um, We have a couple of releases of older titles uh, that I am going to skip over, although I will point out a film by the name of State of Grace uh, from 1990 uh, is being put out by Sandpiper Pictures. And uh, damn, that is quite the cast. Uh, we have Sean Penn, Ed Harris, and Gary Oldman. God damn, that is a stacked fucking cast, uh, especially for that time period. Um, what else we got? Uh, we got Famous TNA 2 from 2022, starring Diana Prince, uh, who I believe is uh, one of the co-hosts of uh, the Joe Bob Briggs show on uh, Shudder right now. Uh, I actually don't have Shudder, but I, I I did grow up on uh, TNT Monster Vision and whatnot, so Joe Bob Briggs, is he's A-OK in my book. Um, very similar to uh, our requisite uh, Bruce Willis Blu-ray title, our monthly Blu-ray uh, Bruce Willis film. Uh, we also have Mel Gibson and Kevin Dillon in Hot Seat from 2022. This is most assuredly a Lionsgate film. Uh, we have Nitrum or Nitrum, not per- not positive on the pronunciation, but uh, from IFC Films from 2021, uh, and it is certified fresh. So I'm actually just going to read this plot description because I don't recognize this film. Um, Events leading up to the 1996 Port Arthur Massacre on Tasmania in an attempt to understand why and how the atrocity occurred. Uh, so, sounds like... I mean, the, it has a cast list, so it, it, it's probably a narrative film rather than a uh, documentary, but that is a, 
There's something iffy about that plot summary. Directed by Justin Kurzel. Certified fresh. Just leave it at that. Um, what else we got here? Um, we have Rego, Raiga, and Oga. Giant Monsters Attack. Uh, so these are three uh, indie daikaiju films um, from 2005 to 2019. So this is like a, a small box set being put out by who? Uh, SRS Cinema. Uh, not a label that's known to me, but I, I am familiar with those films. Haven't seen them, but I, I, I frequent news sites that would cover films like this. So I'm very much aware of them. Um, we have a... Release of Short Piece from 2013. This is a re-release. I actually already have the Blu-ray of this. Uh, it's a decent um, uh, Japanese animation anthology series. Not amazing, but the the last one in particular is a fucking banger uh, on a technical level and, and in terms of just like, I don't know, storytelling. It's 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 a very solid work of animation, but the, the rest of them are kind of... Mm, I, I seem to remember the first one was good. The middle chapter with the polar bear... Even though I like polar bears, uh, that was probably the weakest of them. It, it felt kind of flimsy, like it was pretty flat from a storytelling standpoint uh, and animation standpoint. But um, yeah, for sure, the last one is probably the winner of them. Um, we have Psycho Gothic Lolita from 2010. Um, not interested. Uh, we have Neptune Frost from 2021. Uh, this is being put out by Kino, and it has all manner of uh, film festival uh, banners uh, emblazoned on the cover here. Uh, I'll just read the plot summary because the cover art is very uh, striking. Um, an intersex African hacker, a Colton miner, and the virtual Marvel born as a result of their union. Uh, and there is a quote in the top left corner, the future of black film, pure cinematic power. Um, looks like it did quite well at the Toronto International Film Festival as well. Um, really dig the cover art. Uh, based on that plot description, I have no fucking clue what that is, but um, striking cover. You, you got my attention, if only for a few seconds. Um, we have a fuck ton of uh, anime that I will not be talking about. Um, we have the Old Man movie <laughs> from 2019 uh, from Unearthed Films. Um I want to say, based on the cover art, this is a stop-motion animated film, but oh shit, that is a uh, that is a substantial plot summary. I'm going to do my best to blaze through it, though. Uh, in a remote Estonian village, three children from the city are forced to spend the summer on their grandfather's farm. When the trio accidentally set loose the old man's prized but thoroughly abused cow, they learn that they have only 24 hours to milk the rogue bovine before its exponentially expanding udders explode and unleash a milk apocalypse. To complicate this crisis, a decrepit and disgraced farmer with a body literally infused with milk and a prejudice for cattle is also determined to catch the animal, but with murderous intent. Based on a popular Estonian web series created by Peter Rizzo and Mick Magi, so proceeds the most outrageous stop-motion comedy since A Town Called Panic. I actually don't know what A Town Called Panic is, but I am a sucker for stop-motion animation, and that... <laughs> That sounds absolutely nutty, and uh, I hope the animation quality is is up to standard because I would totally fucking watch that. Um, I'm gonna see if I can keep that in my mind uh, because I, I wouldn't mind checking that out. Like I said, I am a sucker 
uh, for stop motion animation. Um, and that's pretty much it uh, for that week. Although I will point out that uh, Antonio Banderas uh, has a film uh, coming out called Codename Banshee. Um, it looks to be direct to Blu-ray. Um, August 16th, uh, so the, the next week on the calendar, is the week of Chucky. Um, so this is the week that uh, Shout slash Scream Factory is opting to release uh, the first three, just the first three, uh, Child's Play films, all on 4K. Um, Child's Play is a is a fun uh, like slasher series. It definitely has its its cheek plant its tongue planted firmly in its cheek. There you go, you got it, Trevor. Um, first one's pretty classic. Second one, I actually think I prefer just because it's it's more colorful and more over the top and absurd. Third one, I actually don't remember very well. Um, that's the one at the uh, military academy, if memory serves. I, I really have very few memories of that one, although I have seen it. Um, but the first two are great. Um, if you want a really, really, really thorough uh, examination slash discussion of those two films, uh, check out uh, Brian and Michelle over at uh, Movies for Life. Uh, they have a podcast uh, where they, they talk about movies they love and uh the two of them, they, they both love Child's Play. I believe Michelle might edge out Brian in terms of Child's Play love, but uh, the two of them have a really spirited conversation about the first two films, and you'll learn a lot if, if you don't already know everything there is to know about those movies just by listening to that episode. Um, we also have uh, Jurassic World colon Dominion on 4K. Uh, this is a universal disc, and it's also advertised as the extended edition of this uh not very critically well-regarded film. Um, yeah, this is most certainly the least of the Jurassic uh, franchise. It sucks that we can't just call it the Jurassic Park franchise anymore. Um, I bought this the same day I bought Crimes of the Future, um, and I also have watched this movie. Um, yeah, it's it's not great. It, I actually would argue it starts like it, it starts out pretty okay. Like I was on board for quite a lot of it. Um, but by the time you get to the third act, it's it's like, oh, no, like like we have thoroughly run out of steam. Um, I did find it fascinating that uh, the director, Colin Trevorrow or Trevorrow, I'm not positive on the pronunciation on that one. Um, he he did Jurassic World, which made a bazillion dollars. Um, and then if memory serves, uh, he was supposed to go on to do a Star Wars movie. Um, but his career took a took a left turn, um, and he was—I don't know if he was ousted from the project, but but he he lost the gig essentially, kind of similar to the what was it Benioff and Weiss uh, pair um, who did the um, the Game of Thrones series. I believe they were also in line to take the reins of a Star Wars film at some point, but. Very similarly, they hit a speed bump in the form of that Game of Thrones finale, which I know by reputation, have not watched it myself, but I actually have spoiled it. I know what happens. I know it's not good. Um, but in Colin Trevorrow's case, um, he did a movie called The Book of Henry, uh, which is awful. And I, be I believe it's often pointed to as the reason as to why he was removed from like mainstream Hollywood films for a while. <laughs> um but yeah, uh, Jurassic. The, what I'm getting to with this this ramble here is that uh, 
I I theorize that uh, Colin Trevorrow found a way to to make a Star Wars movie without actually having access to the to the property, uh, because so much of this movie, Jurassic World Dominion, felt like a a Star Wars movie to me. In particular, a, a legacy Star Wars movie. There's a lot of there's a lot of skulking around facilities that happens in this movie. Um, but probably the, the the thing that stood out to me most that, that makes the movie difficult to stomach is the the writing, unfortunately. Just like we have all these great actors, uh, even divorced from, from the characters that they're portraying. Like we have great actors, but we're not asking them to do anything. And and that's that's hurtful. Um, because it's so it's so obvious that they're just kind of coasting on it's it's almost like wrestling style where it's like we know we know Hulk Hogan's like knees are blown out like his his knee joints are basically just trash bags full of broken glass at this point but we know if we if we blast real American and we push him out the front if we like push him out onto that ramp the whole stadium's gonna explode and a lot of this movie felt like that, where it's like, we know we don't have to have Sam Neill do anything if we put him in the hat and just have him be Alan Grant for two and a half hours. I mean, for fuck's sake, Laura Dern is asked to wear pretty much the same wardrobe she wore in 1993 for, thankfully, not the entire movie, but it's there for, you know, marketing, for, for cheap, cheap heat, you know, cheap pops, essentially. And... It really sucks seeing these very talented actors get paraded around in front of the screen and have nothing to do and nothing to say because the dialogue is so flat and wooden in this movie. There's basically there's basically nothing clever like said said by anyone in this movie, um, and it sticks out because the you know the visual effects like the special effects are so fantastic. And even like the the set piece design, like some of the action design is actually pretty cleverly constructed. But when whenever we have downtime, whenever we're not jiggling our keys in front of the camera, um, these characters are just there to look pretty and and just get from scene to scene. And and what's more, like I found myself really irritated by just how crowded the frame was because we're we're taking like the chief the principal actors from two different franchises and smashing them together and then by the time you get to the the closing act of this film you have all of them plus a few extras that we we just invented for this movie we have all of them on screen or in this at, at the very least in the same room together and you can tell like like from a directing and an editing standpoint it's just a nightmare of being unable to to do what you want to do with the camera or with the edit because you you just you have to manage all these different resources that have to be in the room or on screen for too much time i guess and unfortunately like i said none of them have anything interesting to say also like spoiler alert the the finale of this movie can't even hold a candle uh to the finale of trevorrow's earlier effort uh the, the original jurassic world because I, I actually quite like that movie in a lot of ways. It reminds me of of like Ray Harryhausen movies. It it feels like a straight up just like creature feature slash disaster movie. Like it, it doesn't it doesn't feel pretentious to me. Jurassic World that is. Um, and by the time you get to the the finale of that movie, I've I've often described it as um, 
essentially watching a child spill open their toy chest on the floor and just like filming them and using that as the choreography for the finale of your of your movie um it's it's wonderful it's so fucking stupid but i love it where it's just like yeah if if you have these components like available to you i would do that too i would take my i would make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich out of my t-rex and my velociraptor and then you know smash that sandwich on top of the new dinosaur the indominus rex like of course you would do that and it's it's like a fucking tables ladders and chairs match basically but in dinosaur form and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that (laughs) i love that but the finale of this one of dominion is the choreography of it is is so lackluster like it's very brief um, again, having to incorporate all the components, uh, meaning all the actors that have to be involved in the scene, having to having to calculate that and incorporate all that into the dinosaur action that we're mostly here for by the time we're getting to the final act of the movie uh, really handicaps things considerably. Um, and then it, it just kind of it ends with a wet fart, honestly. Like I was really I was blown away by by how how badly they botched that that ending where it's just like you know like like so much of your marketing for i guess universal seems to be particularly guilty of this but like like in this day and age where using the word it's bigger or something is bigger in your marketing is standard practice like when it comes to manufacturing sequels and whatnot i'm looking at you independence day 2 i'm looking at you star wars the force awakens it's like oh it's a death star but it's bigger and then you know orchestra sting or whatever there we go we sold some extra tickets um because some shithead out there is going to be like oh but it's it's bigger than the death star that means it's higher stakes right (laughs) it if if that's like a huge part of your marketing if that's how you're trying to sell people on your movie by saying oh the Giganotosaurus, it's the largest, it's the largest carnivore that's ever walked the earth. Like, if that's how you're advertising your movie, you gotta follow through with that. Like, like you can do whatever the fuck you want with your movie, but if you're gonna end it with a big dinosaur brawl at the end, like you did a couple of movies ago, your one objective needs to be go bigger. Like, just make it bigger, make it louder, make it dumber. And at the very least, I'll be able to point to that and say, you tried. Like, that was that was objectively bigger, dumber, and louder. In this case, it probably wasn't better, but at least you made it bigger, dumber, and louder. But no, they didn't do that here. And yeah, I'm done rambling about this movie because it's not very good. Anyway, I'm probably going to watch it again. Moving on, uh, we have uh, Red Dawn on 4K. So this is the John Milius-directed Red Dawn from 1984. Um, also... Another movie that got a questionable remake in the, I think it was the late 2000s rather than the 2010s era. I could be wrong on that, but I remember Chris Hemsworth was in that one. And that was also the movie that had the controversy where they uh, uh, they had to change the uh, Chinese iconography. Basically, they had to convert the, uh, the villains of the film from China to North Korea uh, because they were afraid they would lose uh, the Chinese box office. I don't think it mattered anyway. Um, but yeah, Red Dawn, uh, it's, a actually kind of creepy that this movie's being released, um, in 2022, being as we actually have some tension, not with the USSR, the USSR is gone, but, um, with Russia, um, in the form of, you know, them and their hostilities towards Ukraine, 
Uh, our hearts go out to them. That really sucks. But it's it's a little disturbing to, to see this movie trotted out in 2022, knowing full well that, you know, the, the cultural attitude of our respective nations is pretty much rolled back, has pretty much rolled back to that of 1984. Really tragic. Um, we have uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, a fantastic movie. I uh, have we already talked about for like three fucking hours on on catching up on cinema a while back nothing else to say other than hey it's cool that we have it on 4k uh we have the black phone only on blu-ray as far as i can tell not a 4k release um i heard this movie was pretty good um i forget the name of the author but uh this is written by this is based on a short story written by uh, stephen king's son um, and is directed by Scott Derrickson, uh, who, uh, as far as I understand, dipped out of uh, Doctor Strange 2 uh, in favor of doing this film, um, citing creative differences, which means absolutely nothing when it comes to, you know, Hollywood or, you know, more specifically the Disney company. Um, but yeah, uh, that's what he did. He took his ball and went home and made the black phone, which as far as I know is, is a pretty solid, uh, horror film. I wouldn't mind checking it out. Uh, we have from the year 1993, Coneheads and What's Eating Gilbert Grape, uh, both pretty fun movies. Uh, Cone, <laughs> Coneheads is, is, is fine. Like it's not bad. Um, it's one of those Saturday Night Live movies that we were inundated with for a few years there. Uh, not all of them are great. Coneheads is probably not great, but it's it's fine. Um, we have our first uh, Criterion release for the month, uh, Daddy Long Legs, which I believe is a Safdie Brothers film. Um, they have earned my respect. Um, I know nothing about this film. Uh, however, I have seen two of their other films, uh, Good Time, and uh, I actually own the uh, uh, Uncut Gems 4K, and I, I quite like both of those films. Uh, if the quality of Daddy Long Legs is anything like those two, uh, I wouldn't mind checking it out. Uh, we have on 4K Heavy Metal uh, from the year 1981. That's, of course, the, uh, the animated film. Uh, I own this on a not-so-great DVD. Um, I actually wouldn't mind upgrading that at some point. Um, I'm a sucker for hand-drawn animation. Uh, also, rotoscoped hand-drawn animation is something that I find particularly fascinating. Um, in particular, like in the States, like in the U S it seems like we make, we were making liberal use of that method. Um, like during this era of animation and earlier, in fact, like, like it's rotoscope has been like a really, really major component of, of animation from this particular time period in, in the States. I don't know. I can't cite many examples of them using it in Japanese animation, but uh, we over here certainly made quite a lot of use of it, and uh, heavy metal is a lot of fun. Uh, soundtrack's great. Uh, the relentless creativity on display is very emblematic of, of the era. Um, I enjoy it. It's sleazy. It's trashy, but the the creativity is 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 pretty awesome. Uh, I really like this one. Plus, I, I I like heavy metal, the music genre, especially from this era. Um, so yeah, that's one I might actually pick up. Who is putting this out? Uh, Sony. Uh, Sony is putting that disc out. Uh, we have uh, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar, uh, which is a film I would not know about at all if not for uh, Brad from the Cinema Speak podcast mentioning it a couple of times. 
Uh, this is a 4K version of the film. Uh, also, uh, it's a Lionsgate disc, by the way. Um, directed by Josh Greenbaum and uh, starring Kristen Wiig and Annie Mumlo. Um From what I hear, this movie's delightful. Um, and, and holy shit, it got a fucking 5 out of 5 in terms of image quality. Uh, so, yeah, if you're, if, if you're interested, run out and go grab that one. Uh, we have Johnny Mnemonic in black and white. Uh, Johnny Mnemonic colon in black and white from Sony Pictures. This is the Keanu Reeves headlined um, 1995 sci-fi film, uh, cyberpunk uh, sci-fi film. Um, I've heard there's a really cool uh, interview between uh, writer, director, and star uh, included on this particular version of the film. Um, I have no idea what the circumstances are that that bring this particular release to light because I, I don't know if anybody was ever asking for this, but um, Giant Mnemonic's a pretty pretty fun movie. Um, it has some really wonderful imagery and, and ideas. Uh, occasionally, like, reaches further than its grasp, but uh, cyberpunk is very much in vogue these days, so uh, I guess that's enough incentive to, to re-release Giant Mnemonic in 2022. But yeah, uh, Apparently, this is uh, very similar to the uh, Mad Max Fury Road uh, Black and Chrome edition. Uh, this is a black and white iteration of that film, uh, unaltered besides that, as far as I know. Um, I'm curious if maybe it's supposed to be like a homage to, uh, is it uh, Shinya Tsukamoto? Um, he did uh, Tetsuo, the, uh, the Iron Man. Um, so- something about the inky blackness of, of that film. I, I could see being applicable to giant mnemonic um i actually don't know i'm just talking out my ass but anyway uh we have electra glide in blue from kino 1973 samson and the seven miracles 1961 miracles of the world excuse me also from kino uh, we have another criterion release in the form of frown land from 2007 and uh the plot summary is as follows a salesman has a different kind of life eating eggs and popcorn off the door of his portable oven <laughs> uh directed by ronald bronstein uh so i i don't know what the fuck the, any of that means but um we have a saying here at catching up on cinema um if it's part of the criterion collection it is probably worth your time so uh sounds perfectly nutty but uh again it's part of criterion collection for a reason uh we have a hiya original uh, Baby Assassins from 2021. Uh, this is a well-go disc, but um, apparently it debuted in, in this region uh, via the Haya uh, streaming service, which specializes in Asian and martial arts cinema. Um, I saw a couple of clips of some of the action choreography from this film, and it has like just enough charm and creativity in there that I might actually check this out. I don't know if I'm going to be paying for it, but um, it's on my radar. I'll just say that much. As a as a sucker for Japanese and you know action slash martial arts cinema, um, it's very much on my radar. Um, I think that's about it as far as major titles uh, for that week goes. Um, I will point out that there is a film called Sniper colon Rogue Mission coming out in 2022. Uh, the only reason I point that out is because um, I seem to remember a uh, 
was it Tom Berenger headlined film by the name of Sniper that came out in the 90s. And uh, I believe Billy Zane was also in the cast of that film. I think Bokeem Woodbine would be in like one of the sequels or something. But anyway, I'm curious if that movie's just like a, a completely separate Sniper franchise film or if it actually has ties uh, to that like 90s trashy action film that I just referenced. Um, I'm actually going to take a second here to look at the cast because like, you know, Billy Zane's probably looking for work. Like if, if I, I actually don't remember if his character survived that movie or not, probably not. Um, no, I don't see anyone in there that I recognize, but yeah, I'm actually just curious if, if that's part of the same franchise, but let's uh, bop on down to the next week on the calendar. Uh, so that would be August 23rd. And right out the gate, we have a 4K release of uh, Paths of Glory uh, from Kino Lorber. And it looks like it got uh, 4.5 out of 5 in terms of image fidelity. This film uh, is headlined by Kirk Douglas, but uh, probably the main attraction for it is that this is a, a early Kubrick film, a Stanley Kubrick film. Uh, I believe Kyle spoke highly of it. Uh, Kyle's all about Stanley Kubrick, but... Um, I do know that um, this does happen quite often, actually. Um, Criterion and Kino often uh, have joint custody over the rights to films, and I believe Criterion has a Blu-ray of this film that's probably you know covered from top to bottom with wonderful special features, but Kino has the 4K of this movie. So if you're just looking for straight-up image quality, Kino might have the edge, but if you want to if you want to fucking learn something and check out those bonus features, Criterion likely has the edge in that area. Um, we have Dog Soldiers on 4K from the year 2002. This is being put out by Shout slash Scream Factory. Uh, this is a Neil Marshall directed film. Uh, four stars uh, in terms of image quality. Uh, this was actually a previous episode of Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, Kyle and I actually covered this movie. Uh, it's a fun one. Uh, it's very much of its time. Uh, it, it has some truly superb uh, werewolf effects uh, shot in uh, that very James Cameron aliens style of never never leaving the never allowing the camera to linger too long. Uh, you have to be very precise with your edits when it comes to finding the right amount of frames to have to have your creature effects on screen if you truly want them to sell the way they're intended to and they largely do that in this movie where you you see you get just enough visual information before they cut uh to the point that it leaves you believing wow those were some stupendous werewolves i just saw uh fun premise very well executed um not a movie i own actually so one that i you know if i was to buy it uh today in 2022 um, I very well may end up picking up this 4K. Uh, we have Dirty Dancing on 4K, uh, Steelbook Edition, 35th Anniversary Edition. Um, I believe this had been released previously. Um, I believe, I could be wrong on that, but also four stars in terms of image quality. Uh, that's a classic, a good, good Swayze, a good Jennifer Grey. Um, I think before she uh, altered her nose and... Uh, became less popular inexplicably 
Um, we have Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest uh, from 1992. This was uh, the movie that everybody was claiming Avatar is a ripoff of. Um, somewhat. <laughs> I'll just say that much. Um, I think I saw this movie in the theater when I was a little kid. Um, it never really grabbed me. Um, the The environmentalism message was something that uh, was intensely preached at us uh, in the in this particular era. I mean, I'm looking at you, Captain Planet, and uh, Zen the Intergalactic Ninja, and Fern Gully, most assuredly. Um, this was very much like advertised as a Robin Williams film uh, because his his voice casting as as the baddie character was if memory serves like they really really pushed that uh for the marketing of this film um yeah i saw it in the theater i think i saw it once or twice more on vhs when i was a little kid but it never really resonated with me that much um, i do remember uh, tone loke's uh, musical number being very uncomfortable in that in kind of the the big clipped alligator moment uh kind of way uh if you don't get the reference um it's the alligator sequence from uh, All Dogs Go to Heaven. Um, but yeah, uh, somebody out there is going to run out and grab this. It's 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 an important movie uh, to a particular age group, which should include me. But in my case, I'm like, yeah, I was watching better stuff. Whatever. Uh, we have another Criterion release of Buck and the Preacher from 1972, and this is directed, uh, starring, and directed by Sidney Poitier. Um, and also features Harry Belafonte. Um, I don't know a damn thing about this movie, but I quite like Sidney Poitier, and uh, I actually was not aware that he was a director in, in addition to being a wonderful actor. Um, something to check out. Uh, and now for something completely different. Uh, Wild Eye Releasing is putting out uh, Suburban Sca- Sasquatch on Blu-ray. Uh, this is a Dave Wascavage film that um, I... I believe this movie is appearing on Blu-ray, um, largely on the strength of um, people coming to coming to become like become aware of this film um, via Red Letter Media on YouTube. Uh, they like, I mean, I, I know they're they're a fringe channel on on the internets, but they do have a dedicated audience, and this was a film that they did an entire spotlight episode dedicated to, and. You know, movies like this, you, you, you watch them cover it and you see how absurd they are. And it does leave you wanting to see them for yourselves. And I'm fairly certain this is an example of a film that was uh, underseen with very, very good reason. But, you know, thanks to uh, Wild Eye releasing or other Blu-ray publishers, you know, hustling to obtain the, the rights to these underseen films. Um, now we have it available on Blu-ray. Uh, so yeah, now everybody can run out and uh, go watch Suburban Sasquatch at their leisure. Um, we have a Criterion release of Hotel du Nord uh, from 1938. Uh, we have a My Hero Academia movie, World Heroes Mission from 2021. I only point that out. I've, I know nothing about the series. I only point it out because I know it to be a very, very, very popular series. Um, we have Creature from Black Lake. 1976 um we have uh lone wolf mcquade from 1983 now i began this episode uh rambling about 
Chuck Norris, and uh, this is another Chuck Norris film. Uh, it's directed by Steve Carver. This is a Scorpion releasing disc uh, that I have no need to purchase because I actually own this on Blu-ray already. Um, this is actually a, a Chuck Norris film that I, I do actually straight up kind of like. Um, this is a fun one. Um, I, I It's embarrassing to watch by today's standards, but just the novelty factor of seeing Chuck Norris and David Carradine um, go at it in a, a Western martial arts duel at the end of the film um, is worth the price of admission for me. Uh, the score for this film is fantastic, by the way. Uh, Italian composer, not in, not Ennio Morricone, a different composer, but very much shooting for that particular vibe. Um, I think the story goes, uh, the director, or at least the production, was requesting that Chuck Norris and David Carradine uh, make use of stunt doubles for the the, fun, the finale of the movie, the big punch up at the end of the movie. But apparently, the two the two macho men uh, declined and insisted they do all their their own stunt work for the end of the movie. And uh, the movie suffers as a result. But you know, it's one of those instances where I I appreciate their hubris because it you know it led to a truly unique martial arts showdown uh, that will never be replicated in cinema um speaking of chuck norris uh, we have another uh release from scorpion of his films uh we have chuck norris and lee marvin in the delta force which is a, a canon film um this one's actually directed by one of the principal canon players that would be menachem golem um i believe the story behind this movie is that it's a uh it's kind of an uncomfortable, uh, like, what, I, what's, what's the, it's like a redo, basically, because the, the central plot of the film involves a terrorism situation on, on an p- airplane, and, uh, I, if, if memory serves, the, basically, the actual history behind that real-life event ended very, very badly, uh, like, it was not good how things ended, and this movie is like a re- oh the term I was looking for revisionist history. Um, basically, this movie is a revisionist, like rah rah Reagan era America take on on that particular event, um, with a more quote happy ending. Uh, again, from a certain point of view, um, uncomfortable in that sense. Um, although because it's a canon film, you get to see Chuck Norris ride around on a uh, motorcycle that shoots rockets out its asshole um you get an amazing synth score uh truly awesome theme music um you could you could throw that over pretty much anything it would make you feel pretty fucking cool um and yeah actually as a a straight up action film uh, it's not half bad like not not even a little bit it's not half bad um but like the knowing the history behind it it's a little um we also have i believe from scorpion uh, yes, uh, Death Wish 3, also a film uh, covered by uh, Red Letter Media at some point. Um, often regarded as, like, I don't know, one of the more energetic and more straight-up dumb and fun Death Wish movies. I think they got up to five of those, at least with Bronson. Um, and then they remade it, like, remakes, also another subject covered uh, in detail today, uh, with Bruce Willis. Um yeah, Death Wish, Death Wish 3 is like the, the loudest, biggest, dumbest of the series, if memory serves. Um, not one that I need to own, but 
but you know it's it's one that i've certainly run into like flipping channels on tv here and there uh we also have death warrant uh from 1990 this is another scorpion title um and one that I'm considering picking up because it's one that I haven't seen in a while. This is a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. Um, if memory serves, this is the one where he goes undercover in a prison and has to fight uh, Patrick Kilpatrick. Love that name. Um, I don't remember it being exceptional or anything, but it's, it is one that I've, I've seen a couple of times, but it's been a long time such that I'm like kind of interested in checking it out again. Uh, but yeah, that's about it for that week. Uh, so let's bop on down to the the last uh, calendar release date for the month of August. And this is where things are going to get really, really sloppy because uh, the way Vinegar Syndrome titles are handled on the calendar, uh, I, I, never, I never fucking know when these things are coming out because the way they're placed on the Blu-ray.com calendar, uh, it seems like they they list them twice, like they, they exist on two different months. And I'm never quite certain exactly which one's the genuine one. But uh, we have Miami Connection on 4K from 1987. Also, a film covered very, very early in the life of the Red Letter Media YouTube channel. Uh, now available on 4K in a lovely box package that I actually own. Uh, that was that was how I saw the movie for the first time. I will say this much. It is fun. Um, but good fucking God, you need to watch it with some friends because watching this movie alone uh was very depressing (laughs) because it's like it's objectively not good um and it's a little harder to laugh at it when you're on a couch by yourself uh definitely a group watch affair Uh, we also have uh cat people on 4k from shout factory uh 4.5 out of 5 in terms of image quality um, speaking of remakes, uh, I believe this is a, a also a remake of a film that may have been remade more than once, uh, if memory serves. But this is the 1982 edition, if you're at all curious. Um, we also have from Vinegar Syndrome uh, a film that I'm not positive if it's coming out this month or next month, but Writing uh, Wrongs, um, which is actually a title I'm excited to pick out. I'm excited to pick up from Vinegar Syndrome. I don't always do that, but um, this is actually one that's on my hit list. Uh, this, uh, fuck, uh, everything, connections, revolutions, um, everything's connected. Uh, directed by Corey Yuen, uh, by the way, and uh, starring Yuen Biao and uh, Cynthia Rothrock, um, who we, uh, Kyle and I, that is, uh, spoke about a little bit on uh, our review of Yes Ma'am, or Yes Madam, uh, also featuring Michelle Yeoh. Uh, Shriek of the Mutilated from 1974, also a Vinegar Syndrome title. Uh, dig that cover art, very slick. Um, we also have Sampo from 1959, also a Vinegar Syndrome. Forgotten Jolly, uh, Volume 5. Holy shit, they're up to 5. Uh, the Birds 2, uh, Land's End uh, from Vinegar Syndrome. This is from 1994. I'm not positive if this was a I think it was a television movie, but I could be wrong on that. Brad from the Cinema Speak podcast would know, and he would correct me. But we got to get rolling. So uh, we have Giallo Essentials from 1972 to 1974. Uh, this is the Black Edition, uh, and this is coming out from Arrow, and this includes three different titles. Uh, very handsome package. Uh, Arrow does a lovely job. Uh, Vinegar Syndrome and Arrow, they both do a, a lovely job with their packaging. Uh, we have Heavy Metal Parking Lot, uh, appears to be from Vinegar Syndrome or one of their affiliates. 
uh, Lux Eterna, uh, a title that Brad told me about the making of it, such that I was very, very intrigued. Um, and I'm actually just going to skim through the majority of these because I, I know for a fact he and I spoke about them last month. Um, so we'll just barrel on ahead. And is there anything else for me to talk about? Oh, uh, I will point out that the cover art for uh, Matahari uh, from Kino. Um, I don't know if anybody out there in the internet will uh, get this reference, but um, Parodius, um, the uh, Konami uh, parody of Gradius, a video game series, one of the bosses uh, from one of the Parodius games, I want to say was inspired by the, the woman, uh, the multi-armed female figure on the cover of this film. Um, I know nothing about the film beyond that. Sorry. Um, we also have multiple releases of Natural Enemies from 1979. Uh, this is a Fun City Editions release, uh, so that's uh, Vinegar Syndrome Affiliate. Um, only reason I point out is that there's two different releases of it, and I think that's uh, Hal Holbrook I see there on the cover. Um, yeah, it looks like the remainder of the week is mostly re-releases, um, so I think I'm going to wrap things up here. Um, but thanks for coming along on the journey with me through the Blu-ray calendar. Um, but as is customary, I will wrap things up uh by doing just a little recap of any of the titles I think I might uh, rent, run out, or run out and buy. Uh, so I'm just going to work my way backwards through the calendar here. Um, and obviously the first one I mentioned here is going to be uh, Writing Wrongs, which I did say, and I actually do mean, uh, I, I will be picking this up from Vinegar Syndrome. Uh, Miami Connection on 4K, I already... Uh, purchased and received and watched um, so that's one that you can count as a buy um, death warrant from scorpion releasing is a it's a light maybe unfortunately uh, delta force and lone wolf mcquade also from scorpion i already own both of those movies on blu-ray i don't i don't need an upgrade and i don't even know if they would be an upgrade uh, dog soldiers on 4k uh, that is a maybe because as i said i've never owned that movie but i did enjoy it um, so that, that's a, that's a maybe. Um, sorry, Sniper, colon, Rogue Mission. I, I don't think I can spare the cash on you. Um, uh, Baby Assassins from 2021, uh, the well-go disc. That's, that's a maybe. Uh, Giant Mnemonic in black and white. Uh, light maybe also. Heavy Metal on 4K, also a maybe. Uh, Jurassic World Dominion on 4K, uh, I, I do own it for completionist purposes. Uh, I, I probably will watch it again, but I, I it left a, it left me with a really sour taste in my mouth. So that's all right. That's a buy. I already got that one. Um, what else we got here, man? Uh, Doom on 4K. That might actually be one of the more solid buys. Like that might actually be one of the surer bets on this on this month. <laughs> Uh, Crimes of the Future, like I said, already have it, uh, already watched it, so that's also a buy. Uh, Heat on 4K, I think I'm good. I, I think I'm fine with the Blu-ray that I have. Um, and that's it. Uh, so, yeah, that's going to be it for the month of August 2022. Uh, oh, yeah, the Old Man movie, the stop-motion uh, Estonian film. Uh, that's, that's maybe. 
that's a maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's going to do it uh, for the month of August 2022. But thank you so much for joining me. Uh, in the meantime, dear listeners, uh, if you'd like to catch up on any of our other Catching Up on Cinema content, you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, you can also find us on the social medias in the form of the Instagram, at Catching Up on Cinema, as well as the Twitter, at Catching Cinema. So feel free to hit me up at either of those. Uh, and also, the podcast is available on pretty much every platform you can imagine, including Bitcade. So fucking Google it. That being said, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. <laughs> <laughs>